Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Barbara Bush said Donald Trump gave her a heart attack. Yep, she blamed her heart attack on Donald Trump. That's how bad it is. Oh, no love lost between the Bushes and the Trumpers or the Trump himself. What do you say, folks? Here we go. It's a Thursday, March 28th. Can you believe it? The Bill Press Show right here with you, and it's good to see you today. Uh, another big news day. Lots and lots to talk about. Yes, Donald Trump is up and tweeting this morning. Watch out. And I guess, pardon me, the guy that should really watch out is Adam Schiff. Yep, the good congressman from California. Donald Trump says he has to resign from Congress because he's been lying so much to the American people. Adam Schiff, the one Democrat that we've been able to count on, maybe the one member of Congress we've been able to count on for the last two years to tell the truth in a very measured, a very fair, a very factual way. Uh, that's why Donald Trump can't can't stand it. Uh, and in the meantime, Donald Trump doubling down on his vow to get rid of Obamacare, every single provision of it, protect people with pre-existing conditions, forget about it. Free uh, preventive care, free mammograms, free checkups, forget about it. Your kids stay on your health uh, your par- their parents' health care plan until they're at least tw- uh, t- until they're 26 years old. Forget about it. Donald Trump wants to throw everything out, throw the baby out with the bathwater, and Republicans are freaking out because this is the last thing they want. So much to talk about. So much you're going to want to comment on. Get ready on Twitter. At BP Show on Twitter, at BP Show. But first, this is the we Full Court it. Press. All righty, just this a couple is. of other stories yeah. making news. We've got 20, 37, uh, rounding oh. it out with 16. Your Powerball number tonight is 12. There you go. Those are the winning Powerball numbers, and they do have a jackpot winner. Uh, I know, and you know why? 
because I didn't buy a ticket. You forgot to buy one? I, 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 I was out of town yesterday. I couldn't get to the to my place to don't, buy my don't Powerball Don't tell me ticket. that these are the numbers that you normally play. Oh, they're uh, the one. 12. I always play 12. You always play 12. <laughs> damn. Damn, damn. I'm telling uh, you. Yeah. Well, they, we, we do have a winner. The winner is in Wisconsin. Oh. One single ticket sold in the state matched all six numbers. It better not be Paul Ryan. Oh, God. I hope not. I hope not. Oh, no. The Powerball jackpot grew. Yesterday, it was around 750. It grew to $768.4 million. That makes it the third largest jackpot in American lottery history. Uh, And as I I mentioned, there was one winner who got all of them right. They were in Wisconsin. They have not come forward yet, obviously. This was last night. Um, I'm not sure if Wisconsin is one of those states where you have to... Uh, you have to uh, make yourself reveal. make it known. Yeah, yeah reveal I, yourself. Right. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, why keep it a secret? I mean, you know, gloat, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and you know how this goes, right? You, you can either take yep. the seven hundred sixty-eight point yep. four million, which is paid in thirty graduated payments over twenty-nine years, or one lump sum payment of four hundred seventy-seven million dollars. Both sound uh, pretty good to me. Flip a coin. Yeah, these both sound pretty good to me. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Uh, All right, so next time maybe you'll play. Next time maybe you'll play. Let's go to West Palm Beach, Florida, where a man called the police to his hotel room. They showed up at his hotel room. Mar-a-Lago? No, this is in West Palm Beach. This is in West (laughs) Palm Beach. Although you're you're close because he called the police and said he had been robbed because he had paid a woman for sex Mm -mm. and then she didn't show up. Oh, I see. So, so he, he called the called police, the police to, say, yeah, to report uh, that he had been robbed. I want to commit a crime, but I can't do yeah, it because, yeah. Uh-huh. The police had other plans than to try and go find the woman that robbed him. The guy admitted to them that he had committed a crime, so they dealt with that one first. He was but taken into you custody and charged with one count of soliciting a prostitute. You would think by now that Robert Kraft would be smarter than that? <laughs> you would think. You would think. This is the Bill Press Show. Well, he's got a new target. Donald Trump tweeting already this morning that Congressman Adam Schiff from California should be forced to resign from Congress. (laughs) Oh, yes. The chair of the House Intelligence Committee should be forced to resign from Congress because for the last couple of years, he has told the truth about Donald Trump and possible collusion with Russia, and possible obstruction of justice. And remember, Robert Mueller himself, I know the uh, Mueller report's not what you and I wanted, but Mueller himself doesn't say there was no collusion, doesn't say there was no obstruction, just he couldn't find enough to feel that he could go into a courtroom and prove it for Donald Trump with beyond a reasonable doubt. What do you say, folks? Good to see you today. It's Thursday, March 28th. This is the Bill Press Show. So good to join you today. So good to see you today. And we thank you for uh, lining up, being part of the program. Uh, Get ready. We'll bring you up to date on the news of the day and look forward to hearing from you as to what you think about it all. Send us your comments, as always, on Twitter at BP Show. Whether you are joining us online on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Whether you're joining us on television, on Free Speech TV, or on the radio, statewide in Indiana, on Indiana Talks, and 
in Chicago, great city of Chicago, and all the good surrounding communities there. We are with you on the one and only WCPT, the big progressive voice of Chicago. Again, bringing you the news of the day, and there is lots of it. i got to tell you a little shout-out um, right after the show yesterday. Hopped on Amtrak to go up to Wilmington, Delaware, where uh, you know I grew up just south of Wilmington, a little town called Delaware City. Went to high school in Wilmington, Delaware, the great Salesianum High School, uh, and uh, spoke to a group up there. I, I didn't really know much about them, but, boy, they do uh, great work all around the country. It's called uh, the uh, it only, uh, oh, the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. And so they got classes for um, basically seniors, but even beyond that, I mean, you have to be 50 to join. Uh, the chapter in Wilmington, a beautiful building there, uh, chapter in Wilmington, it's part of the University of Delaware, uh, in, 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 in Delaware it is, uh, not in every state, part of the state university, but in Delaware it is. And they have 2,300 members, and a good couple of hundred people turned out yesterday for a great discussion about uh, what's happening here in Washington and how we can get Washington working again. And uh, here's what was interesting I found yesterday. So I talked for maybe half an hour and then took questions for half an hour. Okay. There were questions about um, the Electoral College. There were questions about climate change. There were questions about uh, expanding the Supreme Court. Uh, there were questions about early voting. Uh, there was not one question about the Mueller report. That's really interesting, man. You know, remember I, yeah. Elizabeth Warren said last weekend she was in New Hampshire, and of all the questions she answered in a weekend at town halls and at rope lines and all that, nobody ever asked her about the Mueller report. Uh, I, I was reflecting coming back on the train yesterday. Whoa. That's weird. That's all we're talking about here, right? And um, up there, not not one question it's about it. It's a really good reminder. And they were a very informed group. Sure. I mean, they knew their I mean, they knew more about some legislation than I did. Like HR H HR one, we've talked about the the number one priority for Nancy yeah. Pelosi. They were talking about two or three other resolutions. I just had to tell them I said, I gotta tell you, I don't know anything about those. Send me some stuff. <laughs> right. We'd be glad to talk about it. Sounds important. So they were really so, but with that informed audience, not one question about Robert Mueller. It's a really Isn't good that reminder that we we live in a bubble. Yeah, like we really do live in a bubble, and I and, and I don't mean that in a negative way, right? Like the Mueller report is obviously very important, um, but I think that if you follow politics super closely and you're watching a lot of cable news and you you know read the newspaper every day, right? You would think that like everybody's talking about the Mueller report, and they're not. Mm -mm. No, they're just not right. So I thought very, uh, very interesting. Again, a little just said, a little reflection on what's important and what's not. Uh, and I got to tell you, I think uh, as we mentioned yesterday, but just to talk more about it because it's important that far, what surpasses the Mueller report, uh, and we're still waiting to see a full Mueller report. You know, none of us are satisfied with the four-page summary put out by Trump's guy, uh, Bill Barr, the, the new Attorney General. Um, but while we're waiting for that. Uh, what's really of much more significance is the fact that the Trump administration now has, in effect, reversed course. They've always wanted to repeal Obamacare. But they always pretended they were going to preserve the best parts of Obamacare, particularly, and you hear the president talk about it all the time, particularly protection for people with pre-existing conditions. Well, 
They reversed course a couple of days ago. The Attorney General, Department of Justice, going into a federal courtroom in Texas and saying, we are here to side with the red state attorneys general who want to completely abolish uh, Obamacare, completely abolish the Affordable Care Act, every single provision. Uh, and uh, uh, that is, again, a new turn for, it sort of rips the fig leaf off the Republicans because we knew that that was a real goal anyhow and the real desire and the real hope. Uh, but they pretended that they were going to save the best parts of it. No longer. So you think about it, all the most popular provisions, all the most important provisions of health care. So and I think it's important to look at this both from a policy point of view and from a political point of view. So on the policy point of view, everything the people for the last 10 years now have been able to take advantage of and are enjoying and are counting on, just like they count on Social Security and they count on Medicare, People, millions and millions of Americans are counting on Obamacare for things like, yes, protection for people with pre-existing conditions, which means if you are diabetic, for example, insurance companies can't, ref it's very, very important, they can't refuse to sell you health insurance because you happen to have cancer or diabetes or asthma or any other condition, health, health, health problem. Uh, that probably the most important provision of Medicare, the other, uh, of Obamacare. The other one is children being able to stay on their parents' health insurance until they're 26 years old. The other one, preventive care, free preventive care, mammograms, checkups, colonoscopies, whatever, uh, to keep people and to encourage people to take care of themselves and not have to pay to take care of themselves uh, under Obamacare for the first time. Lower premium, uh, that's gone too. Lower premiums for people on Medicare, even though Medicare is not really a part of Obamacare, Obamacare has had that impact. Uh, lower co-pays for people on, uh, on, uh, who signed up to the Affordable Care Act. All of that good stuff that millions of Americans have been able to take advantage of and have health care and health insurance for their families themselves and for their families for the very first time in their lives, particularly with the help, a lot of them with the help of the federal subsidies, all of it now, Donald Trump is saying, gone, gone, all of it, out the window, replaced with absolutely nothing. And Donald Trump came down yesterday. I mean, the reaction among Republicans, this is from the policy point of view, even, I think, more intense from Republicans than it was from Democrats. Democrats were more interested in the political side, which we'll get to in a moment, but on the policy side, and they were saying basically to the White House, what the hell are you doing? But Donald Trump, do you think he would back down? No, again, yesterday on health care, he doubled down. Obamacare is a disaster. It's too expensive by far. People can't afford it. And the deductible is horrible. So the premiums cost too much. The deductible is horrible. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Doesn't know what he's talking. They're price controls, actually. Insurance companies' uh, premiums have gone up, but not up not the way they used to go up. And insurance companies have to go to the Department of HHS and justify any increase in premiums under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, again, as I say, some Republicans are saying, "What the hell is going on?" Because Donald Trump says he said we had this clip yesterday that we, the Republican Party, is going to be the party of health care. 
Uh, Susan Collins says, boy, I wish. I know the president has said that he wants the Republican Party to be the party of health care, and I'm glad to hear him say that. But it seems to me the cart is before the horse here. Yeah, the cart before the horse, meaning, okay, Mr. President, if you say we're going to repeal Obamacare, all of, the, all of it, all of it, including the most popular provisions, and replace it with what? If he has some good ideas for improving the ACA or our system of health care in this country, that those initiatives need to be put forth first. Yeah, let's see what you're proposing that's better than the Affordable Care Act. Let's have something, and by the way, they've had 10 years. They've they didn't, none of them, not one Republican voted for the Affordable Care Act when it went through Congress. They vowed to repeal it the moment Barack Obama signed it, 10 years ago. For 10 years, they've had 10 years, they have not come up with an alternative, alternative plan. That's why John McCain gave that famous thumbs down vote. Because he wasn't going to vote to kill Obamacare unless they had something else to take its place. They still have no plan. And Donald Trump is out there saying, we're going to be the party of health. Yeah, well, Susan Collins is saying, well, where is it? Where are the goods? Show me the goods. Show me the alternative plan. Uh, it is, a, now let's get to the politics of it. It is a disaster. This has become, and again, I think it's because now people are, so many millions of Americans are depending and enjoying the benefits of the Affordable Care Act, that this has become the hottest political issue. This is the issue that Democrats in 2018, in blue states and purple states, and some in red states, but that this is the issue in which Democrats won 40 seats in the House. So that you think that might be behind them. No, no, no. Now it is going to be the winning issue for Democrats in 2020, and Donald Trump has handed it to them. So if, if early in the week Democrats might have been discouraged because, oh, damn, that Mueller report is so soft, it's not going to give us the argument we needed against Donald Trump, this is an even stronger argument. This is an argument that attacks every single American family. And on this important key issue, and this is what Republicans realize, they're going to have to go out there and defend having nothing to offer the American people except a promise, a vague promise, on health care and taking away the health care that Ameri millions of Americans now enjoy. So on this key issue, the number one issue today, the, the differences, the choice could not be more clear. On health care, Democrats are for it, Republicans are against it. It's not that there are two competing plans. It's not that Democrats want to go this way and Republicans want to go this way. No, no, no. It's starker than that, thanks to Donald Trump idiot for doing this. Democrats are for it. Republicans are against it. That is an easy case to make. Uh, and that's where Donald Trump has left the Republican, uh, the Republican Party. Um, and uh, it's reported, by the way, that there were uh, uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, opposition inside the Trump cabinet to doing this. Um, the Attorney General, Bill Barr, argued against it, according to the New York Times this morning. Um, the HHS Secretary, Alex Azar, the, the man who's in charge of it, 
argued against doing this. But Mick Mulvaney, the acting chief of staff and former Republican congressman who has always been an avowed enemy of the Affordable Care Act, uh, again, it's reported that he's the one who carried the day with Donald Trump for, and Donald Trump went along with it. Um, th- this is, this is a, a, a political bonanza, a political gift for Democrats for 2020. Make that case and uh, th- th- they can win back the Senate. We can win back the Senate and the White House on that issue alone. Meanwhile, uh, the Mueller report, still a lot of, a lot of talk about it. Uh, yesterday, by the way, I saw CBS News did a little survey. No surprise. Seventy seven percent of American people said uh, they should release the full report. Uh, and so have uh, many, many uh, Democratic and Republican uh, members of Congress. Fifty six percent in a CNN poll, 56 percent of Americans said that uh, they don't see the Mueller report as exonerating Donald Trump completely at all. Uh, has he such cl- as as he claims? I thought the most interesting comments on the uh, Mueller report yesterday came from former FBI Director uh, James Comey. In an interview with Lester Holt on NBC News, uh, Comey says, "Hmm, no obstruction of justice. Uh, I'm not so sure about that." He said, "How about when he fired me?" Very good exchange here between uh, uh, the great Lester Holt and uh, James Comey. Then there was your firing. May 3rd, 2017, you go before the Senate Judiciary Committee. You talk about a lot of things, the Clinton email server, but you declined to answer questions specifically about evidence of collusion at that point. A couple of days later, you're fired. A few days after that, I sit down with President Trump. He says, when I decided to just do it, talking about firing you, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. What did you think when you heard that? I thought that's potentially obstruction of justice, and I hope somebody is going to look at that. Again, the president appears to be saying, I don't know what's in his head, which is why I can't reach the conclusion. What he appears to be saying is, I got rid of this guy to shut down an investigation that threatened me. Very, very good point. I mean, when you are under investigation, criminal investigation by the FBI, and you ask the head of the FBI to pull the plug on the investigation, and he doesn't do it, and you fire the head of the FBI because he won't pull the plug on that investigation. What else is that? How is that not obstruction of justice? I'll never understand how Robert Mueller could come to that conclusion. And by the way, neither does James Comey understand it, and Comey, remember, and Mueller or buds. They were together in the FBI, and they've acknowledged that they're good friends. But Comey says, you know, yeah, I want to see this report because I don't know how the hell Robert Mueller, given the evidence that he had, could come to the conclusion that he did. The purpose of a special counsel is to make sure that the politicals, in this case the attorney general, doesn't make the ultimate call on whether the subject of the investigation, the president of the United States, should be held criminally liable for activities that were under investigation. And so the idea that a special counsel wouldn't reach the question and hand it to the political leadership doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't, I'm not prejudging it. I'm just saying it doesn't make sense on its face. And so I have a lot of questions. But do you think it was Mr. Mueller's responsibility to come to a determination on that potential charge? Well, it was certainly his charge in general 
to investigate fully and come, if he could, to conclusions. I don't know why he didn't hear, and I don't know what combination of law and fact led him to that, which is why I'm going to wait and hear the explanation, which I hope will come. So uh, sort of a kind way of treating his friends, saying, well, I'll wait and see the full report. But uh, I, he's, he's abs- I believe Comey there is absolutely right on point. What the hell was Mueller thinking and what brought him to that conclusion? It's really interesting because, you know, you talk about how they're friends, right, <laughs> Mueller and Comey, and they are. Uh, and, you know, Comey has talked about and written a lot of his book focuses on, you know, th- this moral uh, direction that he follows in his life. Like, there is a right and wrong. And yeah. This is why he got into law enforcement and and all of that. And, I, you know, by all accounts, Robert Mueller sort of has the same kind of reputation and yet these two guys have practiced horrible judgment at very important points in their careers. When you look at Comey and what he did with Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election, and you look at Robert Mueller with what he's done right now, uh, and we should obviously say that the Mueller report is not out. And we haven't seen right. it, so who knows what's actually in it. But if this is true, what we're getting and what the indications are, uh, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Hmm? Yeah, right. You know? Now, again, I say I think Mueller uh, chickened out in some ways, and he pulled the plug prematurely Yeah, for sure. I mean, this report, his work is not over yet, particularly leaving Donald Trump out there without ever having to sit down with him for, on a one-on-one interview. Yeah, I mean, but, and it's just, it's so, so weird it, to me for these guys that just live and die by this code of right and wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. And they drop the ball. Right, Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think to a certain extent that all of us uh, uh, foolishly put too much faith in uh, in Robert Mueller looking back right now. At any rate, again, Comey is indicating, and several and more and more people are making this case, uh, that they're, they're being very kind by saying we will withhold final judgment until um, we see the full report, which we were told again yesterday will be maybe within weeks, but not right away. Uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein uh, jumped onto this and made this report yesterday. Remember, she's the ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. It's unbelievable to me that that is not being made public. It's paid for with public money. It's done under public auspices. It's a matter of unique interest to Americans as well as to the officials of our government. Uh, Right, exactly. And... uh, now Donald Trump is off on his beat this morning. Uh, his his latest thing is against Adam Schiff, uh, tweeting out this morning, uh, quote, just about an hour ago, 40 minutes ago, actually, quote, Congressman Adam Schiff, who spent two years knowingly and unlawfully lying and leaking, should be forced to resign from Congress. Oh, this is a new one. So now anybody who disagrees with the White House or anybody who disagrees with anything the president of the United States says, any member of Congress who does so uh, shall be forced to resign from the Congress. Only for that reason uh, alone. Yeah. Um, boy, dictator Donald Trump, if only he had his way. That that would be the rule for uh, all members of Congress. Uh, again, I said it yesterday, I'll say it again today. The only reason that they're focusing on Adam Schiff who is one of the most calm, reasoned, reasoned, level-headed members of Congress, period, 
and certainly on this issue, and the one you can trust to just cut through and tell you what's really going on. The reason they're focusing on Adam Schiff is because he's so good. Yeah, and, and you know, like, look, I, I love a lot of these people that have been flamethrowers, right? Maxine Waters comes to mind. Yeah. And I think yeah. she's amazing. Um, Adam Schiff is not that. He's not, no, no, right. Not at all. You know Nothing what I mean? against Maxine. I love no, not Maxine. at all. Not at all. Maxine, my queen, we call her. But, That's right. But, but, I mean, he has been very careful. Uh, he's chosen his words very carefully uh, with, with, with this whole thing. He's he's not making accusations that there's no basis for. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, they're focusing on him because – and also, two things. Number one, he's very good. Number two, he's in a very important position as chair now of the uh, – House Intelligence Committee. Um, not 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 related to just bouncing on to these two issues at all. I noticed, I saw something this morning that just, just, it's just worth mentioning. It's hard to believe in the 20th, this 21st century, uh, the Kingdom of Brunei yesterday, uh, under Sharia law, which they adopted in 2014, uh, under Sharia law, they passed a new law yesterday the Sultan of Brunei has said he will totally enforce it. It is now the law of the land uh, that uh, anybody caught in any homosexual act, homosexuality, or adultery in Brunei will be stoned to death uh, in front of a mob. Yeah, on this planet in the 21st century, the year 2019, it's been adopted, the Kingdom of Brunei. I don't know what you can do about that. I don't know what we can do about that. Uh, they are an oil-rich little nation. I hope we're not buying any of their oil. That's one thing we could do. But it's just it's stunning. It's shocking that that kind of mentality would still exist anywhere in the world. Maybe not that kind of mentality, but that there'd be a government that would institute that as the official policy of that government. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just wish everybody in that country who doesn't agree, would be able to flee. But it's a small island country, and with poverty there, I'm sure that they cannot. Uh, sad, sad. Uh, uh, speaking of sad, well, Donald Trump, uh, he had some things to say on uh, Fox News last night. Yeah, he made one of those famous telephone calls. Uh, this one to his buddy, Sean Hannity. If you think the president, okay, here, we just want to play this clip. It's about a minute long. It's about right? a minute long. So I you, want everyone I want you, to just make sure that you're just, comfortable, and I don't want you to get whiplash as you try and listen to all no. the different directions he goes. If in. you have a pen and paper uh, nearby, just you could try to keep up with a list of all the <laughs> topics that Donald Trump touches on. Diagram these sentences. Diagram, diagram these sentences, right? <laughs> And try to keep track of all the topics he touches on, from Fox News to healthcare to whatever. And um, but I guess if you don't think the president of the United States has a screw loose, listen to this conversation or rambling defense, uh, boasting of Donald Trump to Sean Hannity last night. You know when you mention Rush or Mark, Mark Levin or. Steve Ducey and Ainsley in the morning, and Brian and Laura, Jesse, Janine. I hope Janine's back soon. She's back so Saturday. So many people. I mean, I, I just I don't want to keep going because I'm going to leave out so many. But I could I could again go so long. But so many great people have been, uh, you know, they they get it. Nobody has been tougher, nobody on Ru Russia than me, and 
everybody said, my enemies say that when they're reasonable enemies, when they're fair. You look at the pipeline exposing that going into Germany. You look at oil with a number one. I mean, it's it's what we've done with energy and oil and gas. And that's all competition from for Russia. You look at the Ukraine. You look at so many different levels. You look at our military. Look at the fact that we would have been powered by wind, which wouldn't have worked, by the way, because it only blows sometimes and lots of problems come about. But we are stronger now as a country than we've ever been. 60 seconds. We went on a wild ride there. You know what? You were good to him by cutting it off at 60 seconds. By the way, he was on for about 40 minutes. 40 minutes of that. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That was my morning this morning, cutting, <laughs> cutting that up. That's why I stopped at the one clip, but it's a long one. <laughs> Not a clue. Not a clue. The inmates have taken over the asylum. The inmate has taken over the asylum. No doubt about it. All right, we're going to take a quick break before we move on, and welcome to the studio our good friend Adam Walner, who's now political editor over at McClatchy, uh, the McClatchy, broadcast, uh, McClatchy News here in Washington, D.C., Washington Bureau. Cameron Joseph from Talking Points Memo joins us a little bit later, as well as Eliza Collins from the from USA Today. It's a big day here on the Bill Press Show. Quick break, and we'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, hey, on a Thursday, March 28th, here we go, the Bill Press Show. Great to see you today It uh, it on this Thursday, March 28th. Coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and we're right in the heart of the action here on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol Building, and brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters. Yes, indeed, great men and women of our firefighting departments all across the land. You see them on the job every day, rushing by to help another family out. That, that, that's who they are. They're on the front lines protecting American families every day under the leadership of uh, President Harold Schaitberger. Check out their website at iaff.org. Next time you see that fire truck roll by, just give them a big wave. Thank them for the great work that they're doing. And welcome to the studio with me, Adam Walner, political editor for McClatchy, McClatchy News here in D.C. Adam, it's good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, so now you are in charge of all the 2020 coverage there. Huh? That's right. All 2020 all the time. Uh, I feel like it's already been going on, you know, for, for years, but it's only March of, of 2019. I have So to here's my question to you. Why did you start this damn campaign so early? Oh, you're you're blaming me? You think that this this is on <laughs> me? A lot, Adam. <laughs> I'm asking you the question. Well, yes, look, I, I am blaming right. you. Damn well, it! I, I think it's hardly my fault when we have what upwards of 14, 15 declared candidates already in, in the race. You know, I, I was even uh, you know, uh, fourteen before you walked in. It's now yeah, 15, I think yeah, fifteen now. And, and by the time we're done here, you know, we could be pushing but, pushing twenty. Who knows? Before the end um, of the hour, yeah. But yeah, it, it is kind of interesting that you know, especially compared to how the Republican primary played out in in twenty sixteen when you had such a large field of candidates. It really felt like things were a little more spread out and people sort of tested the waters a little bit mm-hmm. earlier in, in the year. I mean, I'm, from what I remember, Jeb Bush didn't even technically launch his campaign until June of, of 2015. So, uh, but I, I think, you know, a lot of these candidates yeah. are making the calculus that if there's not a clear front runner, you know, it's going to be a huge field. You might as well get in early 
try and you know raise some money early, make a name for yourself, and see if you can't stand out among. Uh, a, a and really I can guarantee few. you, none of them are, are modeling their campaign after Jeb Bush's. No, it, well, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no one's got for, a super PAC for many reasons. Yes, right. and for before we reasons. get too far into yeah. uh, uh, the 2020 race, I just uh, want to uh, take a, a minute to check the comments from our viewers and listeners on the. Uh, First part of the program here, first half hour of the news. Peter? Yes, indeed. Lots of comments uh, out there. We'll get to those in just a, just a moment. But let me just give you an update on our poll uh, that we put up yesterday. It's now closed, uh, but you were able to vote on it all throughout the day yesterday. Will the GOP's renewed attacks on the Affordable Care Act guarantee a blue wave in 2020? 64% of you said yes. 21% of you said no. 15% of you said you were undecided. So I think uh, the Bill Press Show audience has made up their mind right. on that for sure. Let's get to Again, some of your... I, I would say guarantees too strong, but definitely, definitely yeah. will be a big factor and help. Yeah. Uh, let's get to some of your comments on Twitter at BP Show. At BP Show, our friend Smacky Pipe says, Trump is the smartest guy in the room. He's got a better health care plan. No one can perform brain surgery better than he can. <laughs> Just ask Ben Carson. Uh, also, our buddy KG says, Trump is making America sick again. Thanks oh, a cool. lot. Uh, Jode, Audio Jode, says, if lying was a reason for resigning, then Trump would have been out of office on day one. Oh, and, and He's and, referencing... Trump's comments about Adam Schiff this morning say he should have to resign from Congress. Yeah, exactly. For goes, lying over the last... Yeah, for lying. I mean, that is... That really does take the cake. But Donald Trump said anybody should have to resign yeah. for telling a lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. Uh, and also, we talked about the big Powerball winner in Wisconsin. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, Phil, our buddy Phil, says, who would be a worse Powerball winner? Paul Ryan? Or Scott Walker. Oh man! If either one of them gets it, that would be bad. Mm, there's no God. That would be bad. <laughs> all right, find us on Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. All right, thank you all. Thank you all for uh, watching, for listening, and thank you for those comments. Adam, you're a Wisconsinite, right? Yeah, I was going to say I didn't. I didn't oh. hear about this. Where Where is this Phil from in, in Wisconsin? Oh, oh Phil no, is no, in this DC. Is Phil. Phil's oh, the, oh. the Powerball but the winner. Powerball winner was from Wisconsin. Oh, I, I missed this. That's yes, great. Yes, congratulations. One Powerball winner. What was it of seven? 50, I think it was up to seven sixty or seven sixty four. Oh, awesome. I forgot yeah. now. But yeah. uh, well, maybe maybe we're like distant relatives or something. I should I need to you know look into this. Check and into see it. See if yeah. I can get get a little piece of that. You should find out. You know what? I'll bet if you win the lottery, you you learn about cousins. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you probably Hello, have brothers and right. sisters, sons right. and daughters. Right. You yeah. never do. Oh, you yeah. I think we what, we went to fifth grade together. Didn't we have a class. <laughs> we, we were best That's friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so this field is really shaking, uh, shaking down in 2020. This is mm -hmm. your 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 beat now, and um, we have to point out. We'll get to that in a minute. That we actually have a new candidate announced yet this morning, uh, one that none of us had heard of, or none of us certainly ever expected. But um, interesting. Who do you think now are the? Would you say are the more serious candidates we ought to be watching, and those, uh, uh, and and the rest? Let's just say are also Rands. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's certainly a lot of serious candidates to to be watching right now. You know, you don't want to be writing anybody off. Uh, can't write anybody off. But, but, you know, I would say, you know, just sort of by looking at some of the, the limited <laughs> metrics that we have, which would be some of the early polling we have, which and we don't know exactly how reliable that all is right now. And just kind of what we've seen in terms of what candidates have decided to announce in terms of their own fundraising. 
you know, I think you have to look at, you know, certainly Joe Biden, who isn't in the race yet, but everyone is sort of expecting will jump mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. He's leading most of the polls. Bernie Sanders isn't too far behind him. He's, you know, seems to be picking up right where he left off from his 2016 race yeah. in terms of fundraising. Um, and then, you know, and then, you know, maybe a little bit of a drop after that. You have Beto O'Rourke, who is also raising a lot of money, isn't exactly lighting it up in the polls, but is still sort of in that. You know, I think Quinnipiac just had a poll that came out mm-hmm. this morning, had him at about 12 percent or so nationally. And then you have Kamala Harris, senator from California, um, a little bit behind him. And then and then once you kind of get past those first four, Elizabeth you know, Warren, you yeah. have, you yeah. know, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker. Uh, you know, Amy Klobuchar are, are kind of, you know, a lot of the polls have them, you know, only in the mid to even low single digits right now. Um, and then, you know, you have candidates like Pete Buttigieg, for instance, who is getting a lot of media attention right now, the the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, although uh, it, that's kind of yet to be seen exactly how that's going to play out in terms of polls and, and fundraising. Uh, but, but I think right now, uh, a lot of Democrats would sort of view, you know, Biden, Bernie, Beto and, and Kamala as sort of those that, that top tier right now. But Uh, We still have a very long way to go, of course. Uh, Last night was Cory Booker's turn on CNN uh, for a uh, town meeting. Uh, Don Lemon is the one who uh, hosted this particular town meeting. Uh, And Cory Booker uh, coming out pretty strong when it comes to gun safety and taking on the NRA. I am tired of going to funerals where parents are burying their children. And so I am going to bring a fight we are going to bring a fight like the NRA has never seen if they're going to defend corporate gun manufacturers more than represent this people. We're going to bring that fight on every level necessary. I'm a guy that's taken on tough fights before and won them, and this is one that we are going to win together. But, you know, I've been surprised a little bit by the response to Cory Booker. You know, mm-hmm. He uh, was a pretty successful mayor. He's a good-looking guy, right? Um, as as you hear here, you know, he's very good in front of a crowd. He's a great, great speaker. Uh, I'm surprised he hasn't taken off more than he did. Yeah, yeah. It's been a little interesting that he hasn't really broken through just yet. Um, you know, because on the one side, you know, he really didn't seem to have any sort of polling bump after his um, mm-hmm. announcement, which was at the beginning of February. He and, didn't uh, raise millions overnight yes, the way exactly. others did. But, but, but the other side of that is he, you know, if you talk to Democrats in the early states like Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, he does he has put together some pretty formidable teams there and got a lot of top talent to join in with him right away. So... Um, and, and the Atlantic had a nice story on him yesterday where they're, you know, they kind of outlined that, you know, his strategy is he wants to sort of lay low and fly under the radar because it is still just so early. And and we've seen this, you know, in primary after primary where people sort of rise up in the polls and they quickly fall. So I think, you know, it, it's kind of a, a, a tricky. Yeah. Let's mention Jeb Bush again. Yes. Right? Or even, you know, you remember, you know, Scott Walker, you know, at, at this point right. in the GOP oh, yeah. primary 2015, yeah. he was at the top of the polls in Iowa and he was out of the race by the end of the summer. Uh, so you have to kind of, you know, you know, I think his strategy may be slow and steady will win the race. But the, the risk of that is that eventually, if, if you don't sort of start to make some moves, the fundraising is going to dry up. You're not going to be able to, to pay all of your staff. You're not going to be able to continue to pay to keep on campaigning. Um, so I think, you know, it's an interesting strategy that, that he's trying to, to, to pull off right now. You really have to thread the needle with something like that and try and sort of time when you're you're going to peak. Uh, but I think, you know, Senator Booker is certainly a very good retail politician. He connects well with people. A lot of people certainly like him, even if they're not quite ready to commit to him just yet. So I think, you know, his strategy is let me just keep on meeting with these people one on one. And hopefully over time, he'll be able to, to win enough of them. Uh, so uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I saw this morning uh, that Pete Buttigieg has quadrupled his mm-hmm. support 
he has gone from 1% to 4% uh, in the national poll. Yeah. So he's actually enjoying a moment. Yes. Does he have the and, – and he's a good guy. I mean, I like him a lot. He's good on policy. He's good one-on-one. Um, he's got his own story there, successful with a relatively small city in the, in, in the Midwest. Um, does he have the resources uh, to make it all the, take it all, all the way? Well, and again, we, at this point, we have to just sort of rely on what the campaigns are telling us. Since uh, the fundraising deadline is coming up, and, and by mid-April, we're going to see everyone's first quarter fundraising reports. Uh, but from from what uh, the campaign has been saying, at least, you know, particularly after he had his his own CNN town hall a couple weeks ago, that's when he really started to kind of yeah, break out a little very bit. Well there. Seems like he, he, you know, from from what they're saying, he is starting to raise a decent amount of money. And at this point, he doesn't have a very big staff. Uh, so, you know, if, if he's able to start building that out a little bit, have some operations going in the early states, he, he could definitely make some noise. I mean, he's a unique figure in this race, you know, both, you know, for his age at 37, you know, he could, you know, he's trying to become the first uh, millennial can or the first millennial president, uh, you know, has a very impressive not resume mention, already. Not to mention the first gay, gay and, and gay and, and married, which, uh, you know, right, certainly, yeah. you know, sets him apart from everybody else in the race right now. Uh, but, you know, you always have to, you know, the, the note of caution with all of these candidates who sort of have their moment in the sun is they usually haven't undergone any scrutiny yet. And that's certainly been the case with Buttigieg. Not to say that they're, you know, as a skeleton in his closet or anything, but it's just that his record hasn't, I don't think, undergone a, a real careful examination. yet, And that's certainly going to happen both uh, among members in the media and other Democrats as, you know, when you have such a, a large field and they're general and you generally like all of them, you know, it's... It doesn't take much to, to, to maybe disqualify a candidate in, in the eye of a voter. Uh, I went up to my uh, home state of Delaware yesterday for, for a speech and um, uh, to the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, great group of people, uh, and I uh, debarked at the uh, Joseph R. Biden train station mm-hmm. there in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, so you think it's only a matter of time before... The vice president gets in. That's that's the signal. And once he does, does he just um, take over the race and everybody kind of folds? Yeah. Or? Well, I, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But I, yeah, the, the signal that we've certainly been getting from his his allies is that you know he he's pretty much all the way there in terms of wanting to run and probably would announce in in April. And part of the reason for that is you know the fundraising quarter ends at the end of this month. You know, he wouldn't, you know, if he were to get in, say, today, he'd only have a couple of days of fundraising, and that's not going to compare favorably to candidates who have been in for much longer. So, wait to get in until April. Uh, but in terms of whether or not he's going to sort of dominate the field, I mean, that really remains to be seen. I mean, you know, right now he's leading a lot of the polls, and that's based uh, on the fact that he just has a much higher name ID than everybody in the race outside of Bernie Sanders. Um, you know, you, you know, I kind of draw some co- comparisons to Hillary Clinton in, in the sense where Hillary Clinton, when she was sort of uh, you know, out of the day-to-day political fray as Secretary of State, her approval ratings were also very sky high. And you've seen that now with Joe Biden. Now he's been out of the fray for a couple mm-hmm. couple of years. Everyone views him very positively. But once you get back into the mud, you know, t- you know, those numbers uh, tend tend to fall pretty quickly. And and he's, I think, you know, going to face um, a lot of scrutiny pretty quickly once he gets into the race. So how he handles that and whether or not he's in line with where sort of the progressive base of the party is in 2019, uh, you know, th- there are a lot of question marks still. Uh, around his campaign. It's a real gamble for him, it seems. Um, I know he wants to be president. I think he would make a great president. But right now, everybody loves him. Mm-hmm. And if he jumps into this, um, he, he could. He's tried to run for president before and hasn't yes, worked. Yes, twice before, right. Uh, he hasn't had, like, a serious campaign for a while, you know, running 
as Barack's vice president and then for re-election was not necessarily a campaign that Joe Biden had to organize and run, right? He was right. just along for the ride. Um, so he could, he could, as uh, some friends I know have advised him, um, you're either going to go out as a winner or go out as a loser. And if you get into this, you could end up going out as a loser right. again. Right. Yeah, I think would, Yeah, I think this would carry a lot of risk for, for Joe Biden. And um, I'll even uh, plug a story my colleague Alex Rorty wrote um, a couple weeks ago <laughs> where he talked to 30 Democratic strategists, officials, and sort of the message that they conveyed to him was, listen, we love Joe Biden. We appreciate everything he's done, but this is just not a good idea for him right now, both because – you know, in some ways, there's really nowhere to go but but down. And just the fact that the party has kind of shifted so much to the left, even in even in the time that, you know, he has been out of office, it, you know, it's just tough to know if he's going to be able to sort of uh, fit in with where where the base is right now. Right. Uh, and then there's Bernie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bernie, it, it lo- what it appears, he had a phenomenal launch, right? Raised $5.9 million, not quite as much as Beto, but, but he his base has stayed with him. Uh, seems again, uh, he's getting a huge crowd. He got almost as many people in San Francisco uh, this last weekend, sixteen thousand, as Kamala Harris got in Oakland, and she's the home. That's her home state. Mm-hmm. Um, was the senator from that state, um, and um, he and Bernie is picking up even more people. So are people kind of discounting Bernie uh, and? Or recognizing his strength. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think people are discounting him. You know, he because I mean, he certainly starts off with more of a of a core base than probably anybody. Um, I think right now the question is just exactly how big is that base. I think right now, if you look at a lot of the polls, he's usually at around twenty twenty five percent, which <laughs> that, that that's a lot in in a field of, of maybe fifteen candidates. You could win this with thirty. Right. Yeah. If the field does remain that splintered all the way up until Iowa, absolutely. Um, so I think that's the question. For, and that was always the question for him, right, was how much of his base were, were his people versus people who just didn't really like Hillary and he was the only alternative. And that's going to continue to be the challenge for him, especially as uh, some of the younger, more diverse, fresher faces in the party get more of a look in, in the coming weeks and months. But I mean, at least where we stand right now, he, he you know, he has a, a solid chunk of the electorate with him and he's going mean, to he's going to raise a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And the only one who competes with him at that level, it looks like, is Beto O'Rourke. In, in terms of fundraising, yes, right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, and the, and the question Gra- for grassroots for, fundraising, yes. which and, and and the one thing that was so critical about Bernie Sanders' fundraising base, and it looks like he'll be able to sort of tap into that again in 2020, is that he's you know he's going to be able to go back to these people over and over totally. again if they're only yeah. giving you know twenty twenty five dollars at a time. We'll see if you know if Beto has that similar ability. You know, he maybe he'll be able to get a lot of donations you know, after the excitement of, of his launch, but can he keep going back to those same people over and over again? And I would also, you know, I, you know, and we'll know this for sure in a couple of weeks, but I'd have to imagine that right now, a lot of Democratic donors, both on the small donor front and the big donor front are probably splitting their money between a lot of candidates because they, they like a lot of them. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if over time they decide to just back one person and, you know, who benefits from that and who kind of gets cut off from, from, from that source of money. Right. So the the I mean the last time it was a very you had two candidates basically right Bernie and Hillary mm-hmm. you had the revolutionary and you had the establishment candidate who is the establishment candidate this time is it Joe Biden it, it would, yeah I think it would definitely be Joe Biden um, and and he would certainly kind of enter the race with a with a slightly different message than I think we've been hearing from a lot of the candidates who 
right now, all of them are really campaigning on a very progressive policy platform. I mean, if you compare yeah, to where, where things right. were. Bernie wrote the book. Um, and, and Joe Biden, you, know, you already hear him in some of the speeches he's been giving over the past few months, talks a lot about bipartisanship, working with Republicans. You know, he you know, he even laments the fact that, you know, he'll, he'll get criticized from some on the left for saying that he wants to work with Republicans or that he'll, you know, speak, you know, favorably about members of the other party. So I think that'll be a really interesting divide in the party where you have someone like Joe Biden who who I think kind of be making the argument of, you know, let's go back to an era before Trump where kind of back to normalcy almost where like bipartisanship reigns. That's how we get things done in Washington. And then you have some of these newer voices on the left who say, no, 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 like we're we're in a new era now. Trump actually represents a lot of the things that are wrong with the political system. We need to not only move uh, our policies to the left, but we also need to change the way the system works. You already are hearing a lot of candidates calling for eliminating the filibuster yeah. or even eliminating the electoral college. So I think, you know, there's going to be a real divide um, in the primary over just not only how far left uh, the candidates should should go, but also do, do some of the fundamental uh, systems that hold up the political system, do those need to be changed as well? All right. So... Um how foolish of us that we have spent all this time talking about these existing candidates and not talking about the one. Uh, the whole field has changed within the last uh, hour uh, because actually less than an hour ago, uh, we had a whole uh, an, a whole new candidate pop up on the scene from Miramar, Florida. Uh, Andrew, no, Wayne, his name is Wayne. Wayne Messam, who's the mayor of Miramar, Florida, who announced today for president, he was on um, the CNN uh, this morning with John Berman. You know, uh, John, I'm from Miramar, Florida, one of them, a major city in the state of Florida. I'm the son of immigrants. My father came to this country from Jamaica as a contract sugarcane cutter, cutting cane for 75 cents a roll of uh, sugarcane, chasing the American dream. And I'm living that American dream. There he is. He's the mayor of Miramar, yeah. Florida. I don't even know where Miramar is in Florida. Is it it's Gulf it's Coast? South, or? It's, south Mi- or it's South Florida. Yeah. This one's closest to Miami. Is it? Yeah. Okay. But so yes, yeah, so two you know pretty small town mayors in, in the, the twenty twenty I, I primary year. Feeling maybe if Pete Buttigieg can do it, I can do it. Yeah, right? and well, and now he'll have a chance but, to prove it. You got to get you know one percent in in a couple of polls, or have uh, sixty five hundred unique donors to qualify for the for the first debate in June. So so now so now the race is on for him to to prove he can do that. Um, I thought that. Um, so far, all the can- it looked to me like all the candidates who are out there would be able to qualify, with the possible exception of Tulsi Gabbard, I guess. But even yeah. Andrew Wang, Pete mm-hmm. Buttigieg, they've made it, right? Yeah, they've got one percent, and they they get the twenty thousand. Uh, it's yeah sixty five thousand sixty five thousand from yeah. twenty twenty from twenty different 20, states. 000, I think yeah. twenty different states. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, th- they've got that, right? Yeah. So, I, yeah, that, that ended up being a lower bar than I think some Democrats maybe thought yeah, it, it would be. it's going to be a crowd of say. But <laughs> yeah. I think if there's one person in addition to Tulsi who may not make it, it's uh, Wayne Messam. God yeah, yeah we'll, mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I <laughs> you know, I, I've obviously heard his name kind of pop up over the past few weeks, and I've been getting his press releases. And, uh, oh, really? And, yeah, and, yeah I never heard of him Otherwise, before. I don't really, I can't say I know that, that much about him. You would think if somebody from Florida <laughs> around would be Andrew Gillum. Yeah. Now, there's a guy who's got a lot of name recognition and nationwide, right? Right. But, but well, yeah, yeah. I actually don't know how much nationwide, but certainly with within Florida. And more I think, than Wayne Besson. Yes, yes. I think I think that's fair to say. All right. <laughs> well, Peter, let's get him in here. Wayne, yeah, Besson. man. Get him up here. Let's do it. We'll, we'll, we'll check him out. Yeah, right. exactly. Man, you're gonna have a, a busy uh, yes, eighteen months definitely. coming up here, Adams. So we'll see you often. We hope. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming in today. 
Uh, we're going to turn to so McClatchyDC.com. We're going to turn it over to Cameron Joseph in the next hour. Joining us as a friend of Bill. Don't go away. We'll be this right back. Is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how you can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yeah, Barbara Bush said that Donald Trump gave her a heart attack. That's how upset she was when she won in Susan Page's latest biography of Barbara Bush. So no love lost between the Bushes and the Trumps for sure. What do you say, everybody? Great to see you today on this Thursday, Thursday, March 28th, the Bill Press Show coming to you live from Washington, D.C., as always. And our studio right in the heart of the action on uh, Capitol Hill, uh, where Republicans yesterday on the Hill were wondering what the hell was Donald Trump doing when he announced that they were going, they wanted to junk uh, every provision of the Affordable Care Act not uh, and getting away from what they said before, which was, we'll keep the best parts and just get rid of the rest. Anyhow, lots going on, lots to talk about. That's why it's good to have you today with us, whether you're joining us online, on the radio, or on television. Welcome, welcome to the program. And join me in saying hello to our, uh, our guest for the entire hour. Here is a friend of Bill, a good friend from Talking Points Memo, Cameron Joseph. Cam, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Bill. Yeah, looking very colorful here this I morning. I appreciate that. Going for the spring colors uh, with the purple. Uh, don't you? Yeah, a little crocus is popping up, and yeah. you wear the purple <laughs> today. I I often wear purple. I'm I, I, I didn't know I didn't get the memo that we had to <laughs> show up today uh, in purple. Otherwise, purple Thursdays. Come on, purple Thursdays. I would have joined you. Uh, so we got lots and lots to talk about. We'll bring you up to date on the news of the day from the White House uh, on, and uh, look forward to hearing from you. Your comments on what it all means to you. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. Uh, Cameron and I will get into the news of the day with your help, but first, Peter, this the big stories the of the day. Yes, indeed. You referenced the spring colors. Let's just point out today is finally opening day, baby. Oh, Baseball yeah. is back. I opening thought you were going day. to say the first day of spring. I was going, no, no, no. That was last week. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not the first day of spring, but it, it is. It, it, and it feels end. like the first day of spring. It, the yeah. end of a lot of people, it's the first day of yep. spring because opening spring day starts today. on Whoa. opening day. Today is opening day for baseball, so whoever you're rooting for, whether it's the Washington Nationals or the filthy Chicago oh. Cubs. Oh. Sorry, I'm just Kim. saying we haven't been quite good enough the last couple of years to get bitter about a team that is the worst I, team in baseball it's true. for a century. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm it's suffered true. enough. It's true. I, that, was a, that was a very cheap shot, and I apologize. <laughs> You're hurt, okay? I apologize. 
okay, so anyway, whoever you're rooting for, go have a great day at baseball. Uh, this is amazing, by the way, because it wasn't that long ago that there was a judge that ruled that a man uh, was suing Roundup, the weed killer, oh, yeah. and said that it gave him cancer. Well, yesterday, a federal jury awarded a man $80 million. This is a man in California. $80 million that Monsanto, they're the people mm-hmm. who make Roundup, they have to pay this guy because it was, quote, a substantial factor in causing his cancer, and they found that the corporation is liable. Pretty crazy. Oh, no. Absolutely. And, you know, Monsanto's defense in that case was, it's safe if you use it properly. No, yeah. it's not. It's I can't really believe not. it's still on the market today. Yeah, it's yeah. still out there, man. It really is. I mean, I, I just saw it on the shelves the other yeah, day. Yeah, it's, you, it's can, out you there. can go and buy it. I mean, so you might notice, you might have noticed this, but are you getting more robocalls these days? Um, yes. A lot mm-hmm. of people are. And they piss me off. A lot of people are. Well, yesterday the Federal so Trade Stop Commission- calling. <laughs> you dang robots. They, they really have sort of picked up in recent uh, they months, They are robots right? still, yeah. Uh, well, yesterday the Federal Trade Commission said that they are cracking down on this. There are four particular operations that are responsible for most of the robocalls that we get. In fact, they say that they crack down on these four uh, operations. They say by cracking them down, that might stop a billion robocalls yeah, each yeah. day. That's how bad it is. That's crazy. It's nuts. And they're just factories. They just churn these things out. They're all, you know, Yeah, uh, and it robots. used to be home phones, but now they're... This, now they've made it to the cell phones. They've made it to the cell phones. Yeah, That's what's made it really... To the cell phones, yeah. which is what everybody's freaking out about. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Donald Trump's got a new target tweeting this morning that Congressman Adam Schiff should be forced to resign from Congress for lying. Yes, that's right. Donald Trump says somebody else should be forced to resign for lying. Uh, That doesn't take the cake. I don't know what does. Hello, everybody. Here we go on a Thursday March 28th, it is the Bill Press Show, and you are welcome to it. You are very much a part of it. Thanks for joining us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Thanks for joining us on television, on Free Speech TV, coast to coast, and of course, out in Chicago. We are with you. You are with us on the great WCPT. Uh, And don't forget, we always want to hear from you and your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter. Uh, at BP Show, Cameron Joseph is here from the talking from Talking Points Memo, senior political correspondent, uh, good friend here as a friend of Bill. So, what do you think about this, Cameron? That Donald Trump? I mean, the New York Times and the Washington Post both have people who do nothing but keep track of Donald Trump's lies. Right? Mm-hmm. They put out the numbers. They put out every once in a while. They'll have just pages, yeah, of lies. And Donald Trump is saying <laughs> that Adam Schiff is the big liar and he should be forced to resign from Congress. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the irony of that is is so thick. I'm not sure I have a knife that can cut through it. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's intro- I think he does these things for a reason. Like, Donald Trump is not a crazy person. And he's trying to disqualify Adam Schiff <laughs> because as this moves from Mueller to the Hill, uh, 
Schiff is going to be a major and increasingly important player in all of this. And he's already obviously like one of the top Democrats uh, that has to do with basically any Russian foreign influence, any investigations. He's the chairman of the uh, uh, committee that basically deals with all of that. Uh, but he's now more prominent. He, you know, Democrats are in the majority. I think Trump is just realizing what a real threat he is uh, as, you know, probably ar- arguably the most important chairman who can go after him besides maybe Elijah Cummings over at Oversight. Um, and, and so uh, Trump is trying to disqualify him in the same way that he spent a year and a half to two years trying to disqualify Mueller and attacking Comey. And so that is something that is going to matter. And yeah. as silly as this is, because everything it can be – I mean, the Trump era, I think people have gotten pretty good at realizing things can be incredibly silly and kind of terrifying at the same time. And this kind of feels like, all right, so Trump Trump is now going after like a, a, a House chairman uh, who – disagrees with him and is investigating him and in ways that kind of don't sound super democratic mm-hmm. yeah right and i actually thought but. it was interesting though because <laughs> uh, you know they they try and make it like okay you know the, the schiff is not you know not doing this for partisan reasons and uh Demo- you know the, and i think he's been really good about that uh overall uh on a very what's become a very partisan committee um but Interestingly, the the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the the group, mm. the, you know, mm-hmm. the the very partisan, slightly off the hill group that is responsible for reelecting Democrats, uh, made shift their finance share for defending incumbents, the frontline members, yesterday, which. It makes sense at some level because Schiff is such a big draw at fundraising events. He's one of the few Democrats who really is a household name. You can send him into a lot of these suburban places and he can yeah. walk out with a yeah. you know dollars <laughs> $50,000 dinner for a bunch of members. But at the same time, A, the guy's kind of busy on the intel committee. Right. And you'd think that he might not want to take on the added responsibility of, you know, not – Chairman of the DCCC, but a, a, an important role on the DCCC. Uh, and B, it, it did feel to me like we've done a pretty good job at trying to avoid more partisanship than is necessary for your role. Why are you taking this on? So that was kind of a head scratcher for me yesterday. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that, but I would agree. My initial reaction: it tends to politicize his work on the Intelligence Committee, which we should, which is not good. And, yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, w- whether it actually changes not, anything about how he's operating or not. No. I mean, he's uh, a Democrat. No. He's got right. partisan aims, but I he's agree. also but trying the, to treat things but fairly. The, but the, 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 the perception, the perception, yeah. the impression is right. And, and that's very, very important in this day and age. Uh, but I think you make a, a, an excellent point about that Donald Trump for spent the last two years uh, trying to undermine the integrity of Robert Mueller. Right. So that whatever he came up with would therefore Yep, have less credibility. Witch hunt, witch hunt, witch hunt. Exactly. Now he's shifted to on trying to undermine the integrity of Adam Schiff for the very same purpose. So yeah, and I mean, I, this isn't the first time he's gone after Schiff, but right. there, this is, yeah. I think, the third but, time this week. No reason for that. <laughs> yeah. So he's ramping it up. Right. Um, yesterday, um, uh, Donald Trump was spending his time, a uh, good, good part of his time, uh, on health care. Now, th- this is interesting. I mean, <laughs> so... Um, for ten years, the Republicans have had this sort of their their pitch has been 
we're going to get rid of Obamacare, but we're going to replace it with something even better. Right? It's going to be perfect. It's going to be great and grand be, and wonderful. Right. Even, and, and, and we're going to be known as the party of health care. Yeah. Right? And then suddenly they ripped off that fig leaf this week where Donald Trump, uh, according to the New York Times, and you're, I'm sure you're reporting, mm-hmm. uh, over the objections of some members of his cabinet, uh, changed, changed courses and said, no, we want to get we are joining state attorneys general from red states who want to junk the affordable care act altogether all the provisions yep. out and they join they've now joined that lawsuit so the official position of the republican party today is get rid of obamacare and they got nothing to replace it yeah. with why is this good for the republican party it isn't it's dumb there there's no other <laughs> way to describe it um and the republican lawmakers i've talked to this week um, you know, we're, we're very happy to talk Monday night when they came back in and before, right before the, this bar letter came out from the DOJ, uh, because mm-hmm. look, Mueller just, you know, b- the bar assessment of the Mueller letter and, and we'll get, you know, yeah. I'm sure we'll get to what that actually looks like in terms of the, what the Mueller investigation actually says and which we don't know yet, uh, what made it was about best case scenario for Donald Trump. And they were excited to finally be able to go on offense on this and talk about it. And within hours, it was, it was barely, it was about 36 hours after Barr wrote this letter, um, you know, say, saying, right. you know, Trump, Trump didn't collude with Russia. And at least according to Barr, like there, there was no obstruction case. Um, they dropped this bombshell. And you got to remember, like we talk about Mueller a lot. Voters don't care about Mueller a lot. I mean, certain people. I mean, the type of people who listen to this show, the type of people who mm-hmm. uh, are in my Twitter feed, are the folks who are obsessed with the Russia investigation, and it's critically important for you know, national security and democracy reasons. I'm not dismissing any of that. The average voter doesn't care, and the average voter, including very liberal voters, you know, you, you, if you go out onto the trail are not asking candidates about Mueller. They're asking candidates about health care. They're asking candidates about Social Security. They're asking candidates about trade sometimes, the Green New Deal, environmental issues, guns. The average voters, especially in these early voting states that matter right now, uh, are, are not focused on the Russia investigation. And you, can, you can, look at I want to interrupt healthcare you for matters. Just, uh, interrupt yeah. you for just a second, because I mentioned this earlier. Uh, I went up to Wilmington, Delaware yesterday for a speech to a group of seniors at the University of Delaware Extension. Uh, it's the Osher Lifeline Learning Institute. Um, took questions for half an hour after mm-hmm. my talk. Not one question about Robert Mueller. Yeah, and those are the types Not, of people who are, who are coming out to see you, who are pretty politically engaged. Totally, and yeah. very informed on the issues. Yeah, And they ask about health care, they ask about climate change, they ask about the Supreme Court, they ask mm-hmm. about Electoral College, they ask about issues... Serious issues, yeah. not one question about Robert Mueller. Yeah. Just to so, reinforce your point, but go yeah, ahead. And, 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 and yeah. I think that there's a lot of Beltway right. folks who wanted to get in front of cameras cause, who are obsessed with this. And I think there's it was good for ratings because of a specific uh, niche audience uh, for some of the cable networks to talk about this constantly and, and some publications to focus on it. Uh, and, and it matters. Look, I, I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I'm not mm-hmm. saying this is mm-hmm. you know purely driven by that. Uh, this is clearly a huge thing. But- Democrats didn't win the House because of the Russia investigation. Democrats won the House because of a combination of the Obamacare repeal efforts, health care, and this just general sense of what the heck is this guy doing. And yeah. it was about the scandal and the chaos, but it wasn't specifically about Russia. It was about 
his tweets and it was yeah. about him firing Comey and it was about the border craziness and it was about the, you know, the, the, <laughs> what, you know, n now we're talking about like the national emergency declaration and, you know, family separation crisis and all this right. stuff. And that's what makes people really uncomfortable. These suburban voters that voted for Romney and then went for Hillary Clinton or voted third party and then voted for a Democrat in the last election. That's what's driving them. And the base cares about these bread and butter issues. And so this was a huge gift to Democrats. They were gleeful. I mean, gleeful is a stretch because they were yeah. still having to deal with Mueller and they were not thrilled. Um, they were very happy to be talking about health care Tuesday morning at all their press conferences. And, uh, you know, I, 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 Hakeem Jeffries yeah. is the number four. And, and, and right. he had a press conference where he was like, we didn't, you know, he just laid it out. He's like, we didn't win the House on Russia and collusion and impeachment, et cetera, et cetera. We won the House because of health care. And then here, here's Trump. Because of Mick Mulvaney, his chief of staff, uh, overriding other cabinet members, including Bill Barr. And including uh, the HHS secretary. Yeah, Alex Azar. Like, like, no no one wanted to do this but Mick Mulvaney talking Trump into doing this. Mick Mulvaney, you got to remember, comes from the very right wing part of the House Freedom Caucus. Um, and they have been really good at manipulating the Republican Party for the last decade. They haven't actually been that good about getting major policy wins overall for themselves, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. when they right. – had unified control for two years, uh, and and there's a, a pretty strong argument to be made that the House Freedom Caucus mucking up their Obamacare repeal efforts is what made it impossible for the the Republicans to come together and pass something uh, in 2017. Uh, so Mulvaney's just throwing this bomb, this grenade into the room and walking away essentially. Uh, and and you know, I mean, you can obviously Trump was behind this, so you can put some onus on him. Uh, but yeah, the Republic, like uh, there was reporting that Kevin McCarthy told Trump, "Why are you doing this? This is a bad idea." And privately, and, and <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I haven't been able to confirm that, but I certainly have talked to enough Republicans on background and off record over the last couple of days who are pissed. Yeah. Uh, well, Susan Collins yesterday, uh, speaking on this, uh, made made the point about, um, okay, well, if we're going to say we're the party of healthcare, right? And if we're going to uh, say, yeah, we'll, we may get rid of Obamacare, but you're going to have something better, you got to have the goods, right? Here is uh, Senator um, Collins uh, making the point, cart before the horse, I think she says. I know the president has said that he wants the Republican Party to be the party of health care, and I'm glad to hear him say that. But it seems to me the cart is before the horse here. Uh, yeah, and she goes on to say, okay, if we have a plan, where is it? Some good ideas for improving the ACA or our system of health care in this country, that those initiatives need to be put forth first. <laughs> right. You know, so you can't sort of like can't beat something with nothing. But um, the, 10 years now, Cam. For 10 years, yeah. they've been talking about an alternative to Obamacare. Where is it? I mean, it's remarkable because they don't have a plan. And, and I mean, they, they had a plan, but it didn't cover really protect pre-existing conditions because the House Freedom Caucus wouldn't let them, essentially. Right. Yeah. They had they had a workable plan that uh, – a politically plan. workable plan. I don't know in the real life whether it actually would have been that helpful for people. Yeah. But they, they had like a general framework of like – how they can do that. And basically what happened is Republicans were like the dog that caught the car on health care. They 
voted to repeal and replace, but not basically just repeal Obamacare. How for, many times? For yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it was yeah. over fifty times in the House, um, and when, they weren't expecting Trump to win. And when Trump won, they were going, "Oh crap! <laughs> now we got to figure this out." And they, you know, slapped together yeah. a plan from some Heritage Foundation documents and some, you know more serious right-wing researchers but it was all kind of theoretical and they hadn't really formed it and they haven't really you know politically pol- you know poll tested it, and it was a disaster and their you know their, their appeal efforts were less popular than president trump in most of these districts hmm. and we're talking about districts i mean look democrats won a lot of districts that trump won narrowly last time around there's i think 30 democrats who now re- represent trump districts uh, a lot of those areas they won because Voters were tired of the chaos, and they were t- they were worried about their rising medical costs and the, their health care. The Trump and Republicans just tried to take away their health care plans, and I think there is a major. Ri- I mean, besides taking the focus off of Mueller, there's a bigger thing here, which is uh, Democrats have been getting increasingly worried about. Medicare for all and the the base pushing hard on mm-hmm. what is had been poll testing well is now as people start focusing more in on it um, looking less popular and it's about a 50-50 issue depending on the poll you look like and dropping pretty quickly um, and they're trying to to focus back on okay well we're not going to take away your health care we're just going to give other people better health care which is the whole Obamacare argument which you know was problematic because it proved to not be completely true uh, people don't like things getting messed with. Even if things aren't perfect in their own lives, they don't like the right. idea of not being able to do what they're doing right now. Yeah. And and we see, you know, the get your government hands off of my Social Security and Medicare being an incredibly po- potent, powerful, salient issue for Democrats for five decades now. We're seeing that with all health care now. And that was a danger that Democrats were getting in an area where they'd finally gotten back on mm-hmm. winning territory, which really Democrat healthcare has always been a winning issue for Democrats, except for the Obamacare years, the last eight years, yeah, um, or the eight years before Trump was elected. Uh, but you start getting into, you know, okay, well, Democrats are also going to take your healthcare away, and they're going to create a go- only a government-run system. And a lot of Democratic candidates, besides Bernie Sanders, uh, were trying to kind of square the circle and look, we're going to do a Medicare benefit where you don't have to do anything, but we're giving people a better option, which is basically the original public option that was in Obamacare right. that would have made the whole thing work yeah. much better, according to all the economists and healthcare experts I've talked to, um, and got knocked down for political reasons and parochial reasons because of who, which healthcare companies were in which important Democratic senators' states. Uh, but Trump has given them a chance to make it look... Totally. Totally. Like, look, okay, we're, we're look. Whoever yep. the nominee is, it's going to depend a lot on who the nominee is. But uh, Trump is basically, look, I'm going to tear this up, and I have no plan. This isn't even. This is worse than what the Republicans in Congress are trying to do, because at least the Republicans in Congress had a plan they could try to defend but he, that would do something. But he hangs them out to dry, right? He, Trump yeah, and, and he out. didn't run this by anybody on the Hill, which well. is flabbergasting to me, even in this day and age. Like, you don't give. House leaders, Senate leaders, a heads up. Hey, so this major thing that you, I just cost you guys your leadership in the House and and hurt mm-hmm. your efforts in the Senate. Oh, by the way, I'm just going to like completely change, you know, pull an about face on where I've been on this and try and throw the entire law out in the courts. And this isn't a, you know, legal political remedy where it's, okay, we're, we're repealing and replacing. This is pure repeal. Yeah, right. No, uh, it's it's stunning, as you say, monumentally dumb. I believe uh, yeah. that that uh, he would do this, and you know, if he had called Mitch McConnell and 
Kevin McCarthy up that they would have said, let's slow down here and think about this before we rush into this. Yeah, but Kevin McCarthy, does, it takes a lot to get Kevin McCarthy to split uh, with Donald uh, Trump on anything, it, even privately. He's pretty right. sycophantic in a way that I don't, really don't think McConnell truly is in a lot of ways. Um, Kevin McCarthy told him off over this. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that very often. No, and Kevin no. McCarthy's doing that because he knows this, this is the way to guarantee that the House Republicans don't win back control next time around. Right. Uh, and um, and the Democrats will be able to use, particularly in the Senate races and in the presidential. Um, we, we have to talk about the impact of the uh, Mueller report, which looked like um, a disaster for Democrats. Um, it certainly was not what Democrats were hoping that Robert Mueller would come up with. Um, are we ever going to see the full report? And is 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 the mood right now? Everybody sort of like James Comey yesterday. In fact, uh, Peter Comey, where he t- this is the second bite where he talks about he doesn't understand how his friend Robert Mueller could not come to a conclusion about obstruction, but he's willing to wait in, until he sees the final report. Here's Comey. The purpose of a special counsel is to make sure that the politicals, in this case the attorney general, doesn't make the ultimate call on whether the subject of the investigation, the president of the United States, should be held criminally liable for activities that were under investigation. And so the idea that a special counsel wouldn't reach the question and hand it to the political leadership doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't, I'm not prejudging it. I'm just saying it doesn't make sense on its face. And so I have a lot of questions. But do you think it was Mr. Mueller's responsibility to come to a determination on that potential charge? Well, it was certainly his charge in general to investigate fully and come, if he could, to conclusions. I don't know why he didn't hear, and I don't know what combination of law and fact led him to that, which is why I'm going to wait and hear the explanation, which I hope will come. Is that where we are right now, waiting for the full report? Yeah, which is starting to feel like a dough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this really is, I, I mean, look, Mueller, you had one job, dude. And he, he, I, I am baffled. Uh, you know, I, I think Comey, who's friends with Mueller, was about as nice as you can be about this. Uh, I am dumbfounded that the one thing his his job was to come up with conclusions. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. the point of doing the damn exercise and leaving it and moving it back into the political realm by giving Barr this thing makes it inherently political and it turns it back into a political Rorschach test, whatever the findings are. I don't know if we're ever going to see the full report. I think that right now where Barr is, is he's saying, I'm going to release as much as is possible. The Democrats are pushing for a release of the full report, unredacted, except for a few national security reasons, uh, and all and the, all the underlying stuff, documentation. Right? Yeah, it right. sounds like what Barr is moving towards right now is a heavily redacted version that doesn't include any of the grand ju- jury testimony. Um, and there, there, there's a legal argument for why you would do that, because you don't usually put grand jury testimony in public release documents. Um, but the overriding, you know, the, the law is written so that like if there's a good overriding reason uh, that this should be seen, you put it out. And the overriding reason is the American people deserve to know. And Democrats are leaning really hard on that. Uh, I think this is going to end up being a drawn out process fight where we don't see uh, Democrats don't get as much as they want. Republicans probably end up giving up a little more than they want. Although Barr kind of has most of the leverage in the situation. So I think we're going to see something. I think there's going to be some stories out of this that uh, Democrats are happy to see come out over time that aren't going to make Trump and his team look very good. Um, But 
I'm not convinced that we're ever going to see everything. Is it possible that what we're seeing is, by, by Mueller doing what he did, which I believe he ended it prematurely, just kind of pulled the plug before they'd even finished all their work. I mean, look, Roger Stone haven't even started yet. Brick Gates, we don't know what's going to yeah. happen. Michael Flynn hasn't been sent. There's a lot of pieces that are not tied up yet, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I, no I, interview with the president of the United States. So mm-hmm. I think he got out early. But is it possible that Donald Trump's drumbeat of criticism of Mueller kind of freaked him out, got to him, I had mean, its impact? It's possible. Scared him off. I don't know Mueller personally, and I haven't covered this as intimately as I've covered the political side of it. Uh, I think that Mueller, setting aside whether Trump scared him or intimidated him, which I don't think is that likely. I think Mueller was always pretty circumspect about the important roles and limits of his job. And I think, frankly, his buddy James Comey going way beyond regulations and and making the FBI look mm-hmm. very partisan and, and political uh, during the 2016 campaign, I think was a warning flag and a what not to do for Mueller. So I think Mueller, pro- point, right. Mueller may be overcorrected in the other direction on this uh, in terms of this is not a political exercise, this is not a partisan exercise, I'm going to be as careful as possible. Problem is there's bad faith actors running the government right now. And I mean, I, I'm not saying well, Bill Barr is necessarily a bad faith actor, but he wrote a letter to the Trump administration basically saying, look, if there's no collusion, you can't possibly be obstructing because there needs to be a crime to be obstructing a crime. and Which that's, most lawyers say is not true. Martha. It, yes. Um, I'm blanking. Um, the cook, Martha Stewart. <laughs> Stewart went yep. to jail. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. Yep. Were obstruction For, when she were, hadn't actually yeah. had not committed a crime. Yep. Yeah. And so, and, and you know, then there, there's kind of disagreeing, you know, legal opinions about whether that was right. Uh, and there, there's an honest, you know, legal disagreement there. But clearly, the reason that Barr wrote that letter and sent it to the White House. Um, and then Trump picked him was because Barr held this legal opinion, which is defensive legal opinion, but it means that like Trump knew what he was getting when he got his latest attorney general he, after after being furious and essentially eventually firing Jeff Sessions because yeah, Jeff it, dared to recuse himself. And it, so it reminded me of well, like when a manager, a baseball manager, puts somebody in, you know, they know how to do one thing, right? They can bunt or yep. they could you can count on him to get a hit if anybody yep. could or something like that. And he put Barr in there for that one thing, which was to do what he did in that letter, mm-hmm. which was to say, no, I will not go, um, file charges based on obstruction of justice because there's no crime. That yeah. was his one job, Barr's one job. Yeah, and, and to he make sure fire that, him now because he's done what he was there to do. Yeah, and, and arguably and what Trump is hoping is that if there's anything that makes him look really bad but isn't a prosecutable crime where there wasn't enough evidence of collusion. You know, there, there could be a, a fair amount of evidence pointing towards collusion. We've seen a lot of public yeah. things that yeah. raise real questions about whether, you know, the Trump people on the Trump campaign were colluding with Russia um, that don't that aren't enough to prosecute, which is the question that Mueller was trying to answer was, can you bring a legal case that that's justifiable and could actually get a guilty verdict, uh, which is a very different question of does this look fishy? Should have this have been done? Should they have been patriotic and going to the FBI when the Russians were approaching them? Should they have taken these meetings, even if they didn't get anything out of it? All of that. Um, and then on the obstruction piece, it, you know, it, Mueller didn't come to a conclusion. I think we're going to have to see why. Hopefully enough documentation will come out, and I still don't know if we will. 
Um, but right now, Barr can block some of that, and there's going to be a, a drawn-out fight about what we see. And he's saying yep. weeks, not months, in terms of what he's going to put out in the report. He's blowing through the Democrats, uh, kind of, from what I can tell, arbitrary deadline of, of April 2nd. April 2nd, yeah. Um, which I don't, but, I don't really know what there, there's any real it, basis no, for. It's, but it's really about there. Just, yeah. Um, it was a week later. Yeah, yeah. Give him a week. Um, but... So we'll we'll see what he comes out with. I I, I think right. that I'm, I'm reserving judgment on Barr to see what he actually produces. I'm also reserving judgment but, on what the report says. Um, it's certainly the first cut was helpful for Trump, but we've seen initial right. polling hasn't moved the numbers on Trump. No, I saw that. Which, right. You know, uh, CNN Quinnipiac and and there was one other poll basically also like Trump's approval rating hasn't changed. A majority of Americans don't think that that there was no collusion. Um, that, that that it was proven there in was no collusion. In the CNN poll, fifty six percent of Americans say it did not exonerate. Donald yeah, fifty six forty three, and yeah. that and that was on the collusion question. That wasn't right. on the obstruction question, which is actually uh, what Mueller wouldn't say. So, I mean, this is what I've been saying for months: is it almost, it, it, of course, it matters what's in this report, but it almost politically doesn't matter because it's such a political Rorschach test. Uh, most Democrats I mean, and liberals are convinced he did something wrong, and then in that he, in some form, whether it's legal standard of collusion, colluded with Russia and colluded with a foreign power, because he said on camera, Russia get those emails, uh, yeah. and Republicans are never going to change, even if this was Im- what should be impeachable offenses. So oh, no, it's going to matter in twenty twenty. Uh, we're going to take a break here. Cameron stays with us, um, and then we'll be joined by Eliza Collins. Covers the Congress for USA Today. Between the two of you, man, <laughs> members of Congress don't have a <laughs> don't have a chance of getting through the halls before they're tackled by either Cam Joseph for Talking Points Memo or Eliza Collins for USA Today. Uh, give us a moment here, quick break, and then we'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, you bet it is Thursday, March twenty eighth. Here we are, the Bill Press Show, live from Washington D.C., our nation's capital. Brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, those good men, good men and women of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone, a proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for America's hardworking families at our great retail grocery chains all across the country. They also happen to be the home of the new Bernie Sanders campaign union. They're all members now of the UFCW. Well, you almost have to feel sorry for members of Congress because as they're just trying to do their job, they can't get through the halls without being tackled by either Cam Joseph from Talking Points Memo or Eliza Collins from USA Today. Both of you are guilty parties here in the studio with us. I take issue with the word tackle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but during healthcare, healthcare hassle, spared. Healthcare debates. Lisa Murkowski did lose her shoe from reporters. I don't know if you were there. Oh but no, like, really? It yeah, got, like, she was not happy. happy. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, healthcare. She repealed. was running. And, and she wasn't walk- running. It was no, just, she was the actually. Were crazy. She was walking and talking. Oh, and it, we but were packed were... in around her, and somebody caught her and just. Oh, yeah, that was the thing. She it. was yep. actually like cooperating, and she still lost her shoe. Two years ago, Obamacare yep. repeal talks. So, you know, she should wear shoes with straps now because it well, could be back. Yeah, yeah, and just carry a cattle prod. Like, <laughs> just get us all. That's the only way to get through some of the... I, I mean, it's gotten well, crazy. I've covered Congress for a decade, and like the last couple of years, there's a lot of us, and there's well, a lot of people who have never been up there who are just kind of uh, don't get how we have to like work together. I'm not around group. there very much, yeah. but the last couple of times I've been there, I've been stunned by how many yeah. reporters mm-hmm. are. And it's like mob. Yeah, And right. often, you're if it's a big story of the day, you're only looking for a handful of lawmakers who yep. are key and... 
you know. Well, so let's start there. People. We were just talking about this. Healthcare allies <laughs> is be back. Is back, back big time. Uh, thanks to uh, Donald Trump. Not all Republicans are happy about this. Yeah, I would huh? say the majority of Republicans are not happy about this. The, the conservatives. Yeah, the Freedom Caucus, they're okay. But, um, you know, most Republicans, there's reporting that Kevin McCarthy was unhappy with this and urged the president not to go through with it. Kevin McCarthy is minority leader, not speaker, because Republicans lost the House in large part due to health care. And it's a huge political gift for Democrats who, after the Mueller report... We're trying to figure out how to keep people united. You know, there are some that want impeachment. There are some that want to keep investigating. There are some that want to move completely on. And they were given this gift where they can certainly all unite around protecting the Affordable Care Act. Right. Uh, and all those most popular provisions, which Donald Trump vowed. I mean, just it, it was just a couple of days ago. He, he was still saying, we care about people with pre-existing conditions and we're going to take care of them. How could he throw that out the window, Cam? I mean, because he has no consistency and I don't think really understands how the law works. Uh, like, th there's, there's no rational logic here. This is Mick Mulvaney wanted to do this and talk Trump into doing this over the objections of Trump's own cabinet members who actually understand the law and probably have a better grasp on the political implications. Trump has one play. It's please the base. And Mick mm -hmm. Mulvaney is essentially the closest thing to the base within his inner circle at this point. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that there's some folks on the outside who Trump listens to a lot, like David Bossi and Corey Lewandowski, who fill that niche, too. Uh, but basically, this was a this this is what right wing rock talk radio wants. And this is what uh, the Heritage Foundation wants. And so let's do it again without any plan, without any forethought and without any kind of you know, generally White House's. Even the Trump White House, if they're going to roll something out, they have some meetings, they figure out some talking points, they talk to all their key members around the Hill. Everyone kind of gets on the same page to make, even if it's a bad argument, everyone's making the same argument. You know, Republicans on the Hill were blindsided by this. Okay. They had no idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I, I was there, like, when it dropped Monday night and I was chasing Mueller stuff like most people were. And it happened like right after House votes. And it just happened to me in the hallway when like another reporter saw this and asked a Republican lawmaker about like, hey, so what's your reaction? And he's like, what are you talking about? And right. like did not know about it and walked away because like y they're not going to just talk on the fly when they haven't seen the story yet. Uh, really, the smart ones don't. Uh, but yeah, they, they had no idea. Right. And they were shocked because they felt like this should be a week of victory for Trump. After mm -hmm. the Mueller findings came out on Sunday, you know, he is in a stronger point in his presidency than he was the week before with that kind of hanging over his head. And Republicans were just completely shocked that he would pivot to something that so clearly hurt Republicans. And in, in a sense, he jumped on his own story. Right. I mean, he was riding yeah. high with the Mueller report. Yeah. But right? he does that a lot. Right. You know, yeah. they'll have something that's bipartisan or, I mean, criminal justice reform was a huge bipartisan feat that I don't yeah. even remember what the news was at that moment. But I re remember something big happened that week and we weren't talking about criminal yeah. justice reform the way a oh, normal right. administration and Congress that worked together to change Which the nation's prison system. Which was a significant piece yeah. of legislation with Absolutely. a lot of bipartisan mm -hmm. support. And um, something and matters and work. changes people's lives and can make uh, help Trump yes. make inroads to some of the groups that he's been having problems yeah. with. Right. Huge now, win for them. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. On the whole thing about the wins for Trump and what makes him happy, I've talked about this before, right? But like you look at his 
his entire career, right? Like he wanted to be the most successful businessman in the world, right? And in his mind, he is, right? And he's still not happy. He wanted, you know, a, a gorgeous wife and be surrounded by beautiful women. And he is. And he's still, what? He said three of them. And, yeah, exactly. And he's still not happy. He wanted to be president of the United States. He won that. And he's still not happy. He gets exonerated by Robert Mueller and the Mueller report. He's still not happy. So the only thing that could possibly make him happy is apparently the sweet release of death by starting a war with another country that will just completely obliterate everybody. That might make him happy. He loves fighting. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if there is, like, a... I'm not going to try and psychoanalyze the man, but, like, <laughs> he loves to fight. He's yeah. always loved the fight. And it goes back four decades, and, yeah. you know, he, he loves attention. And, you know, as a former New York Daily News guy, like, did a lot of work to make himself a name back in the 80s. Nobody knew the hell he was. And just likes the attention, and he doesn't really mind if it's negative attention. And there is no – I think people both over and underestimate how much planning goes into this. Like Trump is no dummy. He's got some really impressive political instincts that I think people overlooked for way too long. At the same time, people are always looking for method to the madness. Sometimes it's just there's no method. And mm-hmm. I will add Trump loves his base, which you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. He is incredibly loyal to those people because he sees them as incredibly loyal to him. And that group wants Obamacare repealed. I mean, yesterday I was talking to Mark Meadows, who's chairman of the Freedom Caucus. That's another person who has the president's Mm -hmm. ear. And he he said, you know, he talked to Trump that morning about health care. He couldn't give me any real concrete what they were going to do. But I said, well, could this be a political mistake? You guys just lost the House on health care. And he was like, took complete issue with that, said that's absolutely not true. They lost the House because they didn't do what they said they were going to do, which is a lie that the Freedom Caucus has been saying for a long time, easy for them to say in their deep red districts. Mm -hmm. Um, But that mentality is whispering in Trump's ear that that's the only thing you haven't done. And I guess when Trump was in the Senate GOP lunch, he showed up on Capitol Hill Tuesday and pitched health care. And, and again, said we will be known as the party of health care. Yeah. And the Republicans are like, what? Um, <laughs> but he that said crickets from in what I understand. There, yeah. you know, we have the economy. He went down this whole list of achievements and he basically said health care is the one thing we haven't done. Let's do it now that we're cleared right. with Mueller. And, you know, his close allies agree with him. But a lot of Republicans would really rather not. Now, I don't know what the two of you were doing last night, but I uh, most likely you were glued to Fox News and <laughs> Sean Hannity. Uh, if not, you might have missed the president's personal uh, appearance on Sean Hannity by phone. Uh, Peter tells I didn't was it like watching. 45 minutes. Long, Peter right? tells us it was about 40 minutes, 45 minutes long. Um, and here's just a minute of it. Right. Uh, uh, here's my challenge to you. Parse this sentence. You know, when you mention Rush or Mark, Mark Levin or Steve Ducey and Ainsley in the morning and Brian and Laura, Jesse, Janine, I hope Janine's back soon. She's back so Saturday. So many people. I mean, I, I just I don't want to keep going because I'm going to leave out so many. But I could I could again go so long. But so many great people have been, uh, you know, they, they get it. Nobody has been tougher. Nobody on Russia than me. And. 
Everybody said, my enemies say that, when they're reasonable enemies, when they're fair. You look at the pipeline exposing that, going into Germany. You look at oil with a number one. I mean, it's, it's what we've done with energy and oil and gas, and that's all competition from, for Russia. You look at the Ukraine. You look at so many different levels. You look at our military. Look at the fact that we would have been powered by wind, which wouldn't have worked, by the way, because it only blows sometimes and lots of problems come about. But we are stronger now as a country than we've ever been. That's only a minute. It's We're a, sparing you 39 minutes di- here. Diagram that sentence. He also yeah, right. doesn't take a breath. It's really impressive no. that he can. I mean, he, I need no, to take a breath when <laughs> talking. I mean, I, I had, so I, I, I'm sure you've had the same thing, Eliza, where like certain politicians are much easier to transcribe than others. Oh, yes. And usually the problem is they are, you know, flowery speakers who are speaking in complex sentences and thoughts. And, you know, Obama w- was hard to transcribe because Obama would go on with a, you know, compound oh. sentence for a minute oh, yeah. uh, where, where, you know, it all if once you diagram it out is like grammatically correct, if maybe could have used some editing. Uh, Trump just goes one... off in nine different directions. He's like, right. where's the sel- semicolon go? What was he trying to, like, what was, was, was huh? And if and, you're trying to type it out, oh, it's yeah. like, you're like, well, that ended halfway through. Can't use that quote. Can't use that quote. Right, like, right. Like, if, if you just look at, like, like, there's no, like, paragraph you can pull from Trump uh, unless it's prepared remarks. And even then it gets a little tangled because he gets bored halfway through the sentence. Right. Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I think that was a telling sentence, both in the way he said it, but also look look at how he's complimenting everybody. His buddies are the ones on Fox News. And his own administration right. members know that, A, if you want to get hired for a position, you better be on Fox a bunch because Trump will be watching you. And B, there's been times where they've told him multiple times something in a meeting and he's not listening. He's not paying attention. And so they intentionally book a Fox and Friends appearance and go on Fox and Friends and make the same case they're making in the Oval Office. And all of a sudden, he's starting to listen to them. Or they'll call Hannity and convince Hannity or Tucker Carlson to, to make this point. And because and Trump is watching it on TV, he's hooked. He's convinced. And I'm sure Tucker was pissed that he forgot to he mention him. He didn't get him. him he didn't <laughs> and he wasn't mentioned. Uh, yes. I, yeah. it was, it's amazing. He just goes through all these names, you know. The people so who have been boosting him. But yeah. I've heard lawmakers will say, too, that's how you get a call from Trump, is you go on TV. And it's not just Fox. I've heard CNBC, like mm-hmm. NBC, Morning Joe, Trump watches it all. Fox yep. is his favorite. But um, members will say they go on TV, they walk out the door, there's a call from the president complimenting you know, his appearance. And so they do the same thing. If they want to pitch a bill, particularly a tough one, maybe like a omnibus spending bill during the shutdown fight they'd go on and make their pitch to the hosts but right. the idea is that trump's always right. watching okay so um we were talking before you got here uh eliza about the Mueller report the consequences and how long we're going to have to wait uh to see the full report if we ever do see the report whether we will see the full report but in the meantime um i have a sort of perverse theory about this that as disappointed as democrats were that he didn't Say you got to put handcuffs on Trump and frog march him off the golf course. Um, that in the end, this could be, prove to be a benefit for Democrats. For one thing, it took impeachment off the table, didn't yep. it? Yeah, it forced them to be united on this issue because, I mean, on Tuesday, I was talking to Democrats, as I'm sure you were too, sort of what's the strategy? What's next? And I was in a scrum with Ocasio Cortez, who had been vocal about impeachment. And she was asked, you know, are you going to support Congresswoman Tlaib's uh, impeachment resolution, who's her good friend, who she's been very kind of 
defends, on board with. Rashida Tlaib, just to remind all of our viewers and listeners, who put from Michigan, freshman, who put out a letter that very day saying, asking yeah. all of her Democratic members to sign a petition to yes. start uh, impeachment uh, 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 impeach the uh, mother effer yes, fame. That, yes, Don't worry, right. I'm not going to say yes, that on air yes, for you. Like, right. I can see the fear on your <laughs> face you. there for like, a second. Thank you for uh, like the letter. It, the fear yeah. was on my face. Bill has said that on air before. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah, and I mean, look, 58 Democrats two years ago voted for impeachment long before we knew a lot of what we knew already. Yeah. Do you know how many co-signers were on that Tlaib letter? Two. One. Right, yeah. There, it was her, two and, total. her and one other person. So that's Green. Congressman Green. Yeah, Al Green. Who, yes. Really? Not yeah. even yeah. Maxine Waters? Not no. Even. I talked to Waters. She, she she very quickly walked by us and, and yelled an answer back over her shoulder. She clearly was not. But it's like, so what are you going to do about the impeachment? Ah, people, there's a few people who are like, I'm not talking. And it's like, still you? Yeah, it's still me. And like, gone. And did not want to talk about it. And like, and she basically said, like, look, we're a, you know, I don't remember the exact quote, but like, we are a small minority of the party right now, and I'm not going to yeah. back off what I said previously, but I'm pushing for it now. No. Yeah. So to and that extent, Maxine it Waters, really helps yeah. the speaker yes. say, For okay, now, at least. We'll all, see what's in the report. Yeah. 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 Well, and so last exactly. week- Exactly. Bottoms of For now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I was with Pelosi in St. Louis last week, asked her about impeachment and the progressives who were at that moment- You interviewed her. In I did. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Thank you. They were a lot more vocal at that moment. And I said- what do you say to the progressives who really want impeachment? And she said, well, they've wanted it since day one. And just very dismissive. She said it'd be a political gift to the president unless Republicans were on board, which is she's been saying something like that all along. Right. But um, what this did was actually get everybody behind her. She's no longer having to wrangle many people. Of course, the report could come out. But the conclusions, you know, Democrats are steering clear. Ocasio-Cortez said, while she personally supported impeachment, she did not think talking about Trump was helpful. And she pointed out that even in her deep blue district, she didn't run on Trump. And so she said, I hope that this changes the conversation to health care and infrastructure and our agenda. Sounds a lot like Nancy Pelosi. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, she does. Yeah, they were she's, all on she, the... she has, There's a very pragmatic side to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yeah. that some people d- didn't see at first. Yeah, no, she's, she uh, she's voted, voted for right. Pelosi yeah. for speaker. Right. No, it's I... the moderate members who have actually crossed Pelosi more in a lot of ways, but yeah. mm-hmm. they have different districts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a- AOC's political instincts have been, uh, like, uh, uh, people don't get it. And, like, I, I, like I've seen Meaning her... she's smart. She's really smart. And yeah. like, look, yeah. she she is new at this. So there have been some stumbles. There have been some mistakes. And there's been yeah. a steep learning yeah. curve, especially the amount of concentration and focus, especially the Fox News put, is putting on her. But she's killing it. And like she's learned from her mistakes. You know, when she went out into all these districts and tried to primary people after she won her own primary and that didn't work out so well and she got a bunch of blowback, she's learned from that. And she's learned to kind of reposition re- herself and try and heal a few of those wounds and you know I, I think that I mean she she's not as some people deify her I think that's silly is, is the second you know the, the next great yeah. thing um, I some people are are furious at her including Democrats and and terrified of her um, but she's wielding her power pretty effectively and she and Pelosi are working together 
Like there, you know, hmm. the, that that Green New Deal protest in Pelosi's office was like not a great moment for AOC in some ways. The, um, the very first day, her of first Congress. day yeah. when she sat in on Pelosi's. <laughs> yeah, office. but like she and Pelosi have back channel. Uh, they're talking privately now, and they're clearly like, "Look, okay, I'm going to give you a heads up if I'm going to split with you on something. I'm going to we're going to work this together. Let's figure out where we can talk about things that we agree." She's a team player in a way that I think a lot of moderates don't give her credit for, and I think that I uh, is. You know, she's got her own agenda. It's not necessarily what the what Pelosi's yeah. agenda is, but she is remarkably effective for a freshman. And I think people yeah. underestimate her at their own peril. Is she uh, liked by her colleagues? Is she... I think what I have heard is that I, on a personal level, she see? is liked. Yeah. yeah, they think she's a nice person. There are definitely moderates who do not like, and not just moderates, actually. I've talked to progressives. I've written on this. Um, who do not like her combative nature mm-hmm. publicly. So the fact that she, there were 26 members who voted with Republicans on a gun bill, basically she was calling them out, saying that they were racist. She didn't say them by name. And she, I asked her about it and she defended it and said, well, I didn't point out their names. But the members <laughs> of our party are like, yeah, like, but on, you. Yeah, yeah. So there is that sense. I think they don't love they think she they're she's putting them in tough positions at times. Hasn't she threatened to primary some of them? Yes. Mm-hmm. So after that same vote, um, which was to basically do an it was amended the gun bill, which did pass, to make it so that if an undocumented immigrant was trying to buy a gun, they would be reported to ICE. And twenty six Democrats voted with Republicans to amend the bill. The bill still passed. Which pissed Nancy Pelosi off. Oh by yes, the way. definitely. So yeah. then there was this meeting, Pelosi you know, when I talked to her members and said, this is absolutely not okay, you need to stick with the party. And then Ocasio-Cortez stood up and said um, that it forced her to take a tough vote to explain to her constituents. And she had told this activist text chain system thing that basically 26 Democrats voted as Republicans and that's who's responsible for this. And Democrats in the room felt like she was threatening them, and mm. that really rubbed people the wrong way. They're scared of her. I mean, I, I know a lot. I know the Blue Dogs particularly well, and they're the, the centrist Democrats, and they're really worried about crossing her, and that's what she wants. Like, because a, a, I think this is in some ways very useful for Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, because she can be. She can't go out and say, "I'm going to primary you," because that is hugely problematic and creates so deep divisions. But if she can be like, look, I this vote was a bad vote, and then you know, Casio Cortez is, is you know standing in the corner and saying, "I'm coming after you if you do this again." They're gonna think long and hard about crossing their base, uh, in, in a way that isn't necessarily helpful to the reelections uh, in these moderate mm-hmm. districts. I don't know if it's helpful for the party as a whole, but it's helpful for the the progressive cause as AOC sees it. And move, which she's said explicitly, she's trying to move the Overton window so that things that, you know, in the same way the Tea Party did, things that used to be out of the political bounds of conversation are discussed and treated seriously. And things that seem normal now are, and just assumed as this is how it's always going to be, are critiqued and criticized and analyzed. And she's doing that very effectively. Yeah. I, I think well, she does it a heck of a lot more effectively than someone like Tlaib who can get one co-signer or... She, yeah. Well, she does it more effectively than some people who have been there many years. Yeah, and it uh, also frustrates right. people. I, I want yeah. to circle back to healthcare for just a second because one thing that kind of got lost this week is the same day 
um, that uh, Donald Trump said we want to get rid of uh, Obamacare entirely, including all the popular provisions, uh, the House Democrats introduced their Medicare for All bill. Or, yeah, right, Medicare for All, right, with, um, forget the lead spot. I, I'm pretty sure they've already introduced Medicare for All, but they introduced a bill that would bolster the Affordable Care I'm sorry, Care that was it. Act, yeah, right? That, that, right. It was prescription drug prices, right? Prescription drugs and other things. Strengthening. So Donald Trump says, I want to get rid of the whole thing. Yeah. Democrats are out with a bill. And they could all agree yeah. on it. And, it. and they were already planning on dropping it. Right. He, like, yeah. It, he, it, he almost, it felt for... like he was coordinated with right. them. Right. But it, exactly. it just boosted them, printed. gave them a platform where they could say, look, we care about kitchen table issues. Right. Not you, Mueller. You Let's get, go. You want to get rid of it. We want to make it stronger and better. Yeah. It made the contrast so the con- very clear. Absolutely. That's what we'll be talking yeah. about. Yeah. All right. Good. What a great team here. Eliza, thanks so much. Great to see you. USA.com and TalkingPointsMemo.com for Cameron Joseph. Thank you both. Have a great Thursday, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't forget, we'll be looking for you. The Bill Press Show.